1: Normally, I do interviews with people from the HR and the business world, but today I'm flying solo as there's a particular problem that I might be able to help you with, and that's this big question of why doesn't your business website bring in more new clients for your HR business? Now, I've been onboarding new clients and I've been getting queries from people around the world from the HR industry. and the often got a very similar story where they've been going out spending a lot of time and effort to try and acquire people to visit their site and potentially contact them and sign up for a sales call or for information and so on and they've been doing this through various formats paid advertising on linkedin on facebook even on twitter in some cases and going out and giving talks all kinds of stuff and there's a lot of time and effort as i say going into this yet the website's not converting that interest uh, into potential clients or leads. And the problem with this is that most websites, bear with me here, I've got a couple of tortured metaphors or analogies for you, but most websites are designed like um, spaceships in those Star Wars movies with those force fields. The traffic comes to your website and just bounces straight off, or you've heard of the classic line, you know, it's water off a duck's back. The water is just bouncing straight off. That is often what is happening with a business website. So what does this actually mean well for every 100 potential new clients that visit a typical b2b website let's say your website so for 100 that visit anywhere from 90 to 100 percent of those people will leave and never come back so what i want to go through now are 10 questions that you should ask yourself about your website and see where you stand in this and what changes you might be able to make because often making these changes can have a big impact on the power and effect of your website. And rather than it being just a piece of information, it can turn into a tool. So we'll get into that with the first question. So number one is, is your website a brochure site or is it a client acquisition funnel? Now what this is, it's almost a mindset. A brochure is something you pick up, you read it and you put down again. Whereas a client acquisition funnel is a very different thing a brochure is information listing out your products and services um, something about you and your people those sort of things whereas is your website designed to to produce leads and clients in an evergreen automated fashion The, the concept of bringing in new clients on autopilot so you need to consider how it's structured and what you're actually using it for. And some of the other questions that come through this, you'll you'll start to get some ideas on how to do that. But look at your mindset. Is your website a brochure or a client acquisition funnel? Question number two, is your website too generic? And honestly, this is probably the number one thing I see every time I meet a new client or I get a query from someone asking for some help. I go to the website and I look at it and it could be from, for any business, any type of industry, anywhere. Uh, for instance, in the HR consulting sphere, a website will often say something like, "We do general HR services for the full employee life cycle uh, for small, medium, and large businesses." And obviously, if you're in industry A, B, C, or D, you don't know if that applies to you, it just could be anything for anyone. So it's so generic that it's not enticing, it's not appealing. Uh, obviously that's something that I work with with clients all the time, let's focus there because everything flows from there. If you can uh, make it less generic and, and much more focused on your ideal client, then you're going to have a lot more impact uh, and it feeds through to everything you do, whether it's the words on your website, ads that you might run, posts that you might post on LinkedIn, etc. It all flows from that one thing. Question number three, is your website confusing or overly fancy? Now, what I mean by that is go to your website. If it's a normal website, it's got some information, different pictures and headlines and text and so on, a few different pages. But some websites, honestly, I don't know what to do with them. Am I supposed to turn them sideways and push a button somewhere and make something appear? If, if they're like that, if they're so space age that someone cannot understand it when they visit the site, Uh, Yes, you paid a lot of money to make it look amazing, but it's costing you business. Simple as that. On the other hand, is your website confusing? If you've got so many what are known as calls to action, so buy this, do that, sign up for this, call us here, all of these calls to action on a single page, you will get overwhelmed for the visitor. And so people will not take action. They'll actually be confused, overwhelmed, and then they'll bounce back. They'll leave your site never to come back. So is your website too confusing or overly fancy? Question number four, are you providing useful information for all stages of the buying journey? So what does that mean? A lot of businesses consider the bottom of the funnel as their focus area. But if you picture a funnel, it's naturally decreasing in size. So it's just the the narrow end at the very bottom of the funnel. But what about all the people at the top and what about the people in the middle? So what that means is at the top of the funnel, whether this is blog content, resources, um, PDFs for people to access, or even externally on LinkedIn doing posts and things, you need to look at the different buying stages. If someone's just trying to work out what their problem is, they don't necessarily know that they need to have ongoing employee feedback mechanisms in place. They might just think, we're losing a lot of staff here. I wonder what that's all about. Or... Uh, If it's a business owner or a business leader and they're thinking, why is our productivity so poor? Why are we not winning these sales or losing customers for certain things? They start to drill down and that's moving down the funnel. So you need to have different types of information. Only at the bottom do you have things like product brochures and service outline brochures and things like that. That's when they've made up a lot of the research, made up their mind on what their plan of action will be. And now they're just trying to decide who it's going to be that they work with. So do not uh, overestimate or forget about the different stages within that buying journey. Number five, does your website focus on features instead of benefits? Now this is often described in the the, uh, sales and marketing world as you want to sell the sizzle, not the sausage. So um, rather than trying to talk about the in-depth, Uh, chemical makeup of a piece of meat, you want to talk about a wonderful steak and the flavors and the sizzle and all this sort of thing. Too many businesses focus on the features. Uh, So for for instance, a diversity and inclusion program for a business, you could talk about the fact that you've got 433 pages in a workbook and uh, 73 sessions planned out with a four-hour session window and you'll be speaking to 16 different managers that is a feature. They are the elements that make up your service or product. What you want to do is step back and say, well, what happens when we finish this? What are the outcomes that happen? Well, if it's the diversity and inclusion thing, then it's amazing. People just want to stick around and and not leave this company because they just feel so included. There's honestly there's just better morale, people more engaged, and what we find is, you know, when the clock hits Five o'clock, people aren't just rushing off to sign off their computer or run out the door. They're sticking around. And not that that's what we're trying to encourage, but the point is they want to do that. They want to do their. They want to make sure that we get everything done and to our best ability. That's what happens when you implement a wonderful diversity inclusion. You see what I mean? We're talking about the benefits as opposed to the features, the mechanical bits that make it up. Both are important, but businesses tend to focus on the features part rather than the benefits. So look at your website copy and stand back and think, well, what are we actually describing here? Now, while you're standing back and considering what you have on your website in terms of the copy, we can move on to number six, which is, are you conveying enough emotion? So in the business world, we sometimes think, oh no, it has to be all about facts and figures, numbers, data. But there are people running the companies, people make up these businesses, people are running these client organizations. So you need to think about what are their emotions, If you're dealing with an SME market, the small to medium enterprise market, then your end buyer is going to be a business owner, in which case they've got various different things on their mind, and they have different drivers for what they want to achieve out of your HR services. They may want to increase productivity, increase sales, revenue, reduce costs, but why? Why is that? Well, it's maybe they want to sell the business, maybe they want to have more time back. Maybe they want a more efficient business so they don't have to get called on the weekends and all that sort of stuff. Equally, in a more corporate setting, the business uh, leader or the HR leader that you're trying to sell into, what are the, what, what are they focusing on? What are their drivers? Maybe they want to get a promotion. Maybe they want to get um, in charge of a larger in industry uh, division of the business. Um, maybe they want to be known as a public speaker and so they want to get a few wins that they can describe. You need to think... Well, what are the drivers behind the situation rather than just facts and figures and here's what we offer? Um, and build that into your copy so that people read it and go, wow, this is for me. I, I need to take this further. So question seven, are you answering the big one, with him? That's W-I-I-F-M, with him, And that stands for what's in it for me. You might think you have the most wonderful solution in the world. You've got all these ideas and you've got successes, case studies, etc., But you need to put yourself in the other person's shoes and consider, what's in it for me? They're thinking, uh, tying it back to that emotions question that we were just looking at. Um, They're wondering, well, what do I get out of this? Because if you think back to that old adage of um, no one ever got fired for buying IBM. So sometimes, yes, you may have the the best program, the best uh, HR solution in the world that can definitely solve their problems. But if it means that People in their workplace around them are going to be grumbling because there's going to be major change or there's going to be a new cost and so the CFO won't like them anymore or etc, etc. You need to think about what's their driver, and that's connected to that emotion thing. But what's in it for me? You really need to focus on that one. And while you're doing that, you can then start to look at the language you use on your website, even reduce the number of times that you talk about I or we and us to using the words you and your talk about it in, in their sense and their, um, their focus. So number eight, are you measuring what happens? This is more of a technical thing and it ties into traffic and SEO and so on, but at the most basic level, it's really handy to know what people are visiting on your website, what are they looking at? For example, um, if you think of the 80-20 rule, of the people will be looking at 20% of the pages. That's natural. So naturally, homepage, about us, uh, and services page, they always get the bulk of the traffic. But what about your resources or your blog, things like that? Within those categories, what are people looking at the most? Because you will probably find that if you've got a blog going, and you should, by the way, but if you have one going and you've got lots of different posts up there published, you may find that only 20% of the blog articles bring in 80% of the traffic and equally, which ones of those turn into queries or people um, joining your mailing list or whatever. So you really need to look at what's happening there and that can be such a powerful tool. Imagine if you knew that the vast majority of your traffic comes to people who visit your blog posts and in particular, they visit these three blog posts. What does that tell you? It tells you, wow, we should be putting more of this content on our homepage. We should be posting this more on LinkedIn. We could potentially turn this into a training course, which could be sold 24-7. You know, so you're diversifying your revenue stream. It's not just hours for money. Um, And it then lets you produce more content, uh, lead generation funnels, you know, that evergreen system that we described at the start, but built around things that are real driving uh, key drivers their pain points people are obviously coming there to find answers for these issues Why not give them more of that because it will bring more of them further into that buying cycle further down that funnel? So number nine are you utilizing remarketing technology? That's just a fancy way of saying do you follow people around the internet with those ads? Uh, typically you could do that on Facebook or on Google um And normally they're image-based or video-based, you can do text, but the idea is, someone visits your website, what's the average lifetime value across, let's say, one year of your services? If you're doing recruitment, maybe it's 15 grand, maybe if it's a small to medium business that just subscribes to a um, monthly retainer, it could be a grand, a couple of grand. But think about that you get one new client uh, for 2000 to 10000 dollars euro pounds whatever it is is it not worth trying to convince one of the people who's uh, landed on your website on a particular page who has a very clear interest in a particular topic because they've also f- looked at a related blog post on this to follow that person around with some very low cost but highly targeted ads that say you know you're clearly interested in this issue we're really good at solving this problem would you like to have a chat? So you can get that sort of program in place, which helps you convert some of the visitors to your website into actual leads, phone calls, and potential clients. So do consider the remarketing side. Now last one, and probably this is my biggest one, is are you getting enough email addresses? So if we go back to the number that I described before, I wasn't making that up. It's a pretty safe number two that gets used in the industry in the sense that if you have a hundred people visiting your website, anywhere from 90 to 100% of them are gonna bounce, and never come back. And the reason they're doing that is because they're at the top of that buying cycle, that the top of that funnel. And what that means is they're in the research phase. And so they might have a problem. They're just looking up stuff. They're not necessarily interested in you yet. That's later on, that's three months away or whenever it may be but they are doing the research phase and so it's too soon to call you. Later on as they move down the bottom of that funnel, the problem is they may have forgotten you or someone else might have sent them some interesting information and got them on their mailing list. So you've been forgotten about. That's why you need to start obsessing about email capture. So what exactly is lead capture? Well, what it means is, let's say someone lands on a blog post or a resource page on the topic of uh, harassment and discrimination. On that particular article page, you could have a little form or an opt-in box whereby it says, did you know that we have a checklist or a script that you can use in a situation where you think that there's harassment being going on and you need to have a conversation with someone? Download this one-page summary guide that will walk you through it. It's a really powerful tool. You should get it. Um, And if you do that and you join our mailing list, we're going to send you some more stuff that's going to be really useful. So go do that now. That's an email capture because the person puts in their name, maybe their company, um, industry, whatever you want to do, uh, and their email address. Now what happens to that? You turn that into a a lead nurture campaign. That means that you could set up a series of messages to uh, follow that person on that particular topic or it could bring them into a resource area, or it could simply say on the next page when they uh, confirm their email opt-in that, did you know that we can have a free 30-minute phone call on harassment and discrimination awareness planning sessions or something like that? But the point is you can really utilize that. When I said that people come in at the top of the funnel at the start of the buying cycle, they're not ready to talk with you. Well, this is why this email capture is so important, because If your buying cycle is three months long, well, what are you going to do in the meantime? Just going to sit around and hope that they come back? No. With the email capture, you can continue to have discussions with them, share information, uh, and as they say, nurture that relationship down that buying cycle, down that buying funnel to the point that they're ready at the final stage to look at vendors or um, clients, uh, providers, sorry, service providers. And that's you. So you've been all those three months long, been sending them information that's carefully tailored to their specific needs, who do you think they're gonna call when they're ready to have someone come in and help them? It's gonna be you. So that's why email capture is just so important and we're not talking about the monthly newsletter which you see pop up on every website everywhere and maybe you have it there on your website already. No, we're talking about a more sophisticated evergreen lead nurture funnel. You put that in place, You know those 100 people who visit your site and 90 to 100% of them uh, bounce away. Well, what if you converted half of them or less than that into a lead nurture funnel to the point where you're sending them uh, messages and then you're gonna get more sales clients coming through who are calling you up and saying, you know, we wanna sign up and here's our lifetime value of two to 10K, whatever it may be, maybe more. Um, And you've done it all on autopilot. So that is actually the beauty of the email uh, aspect you could be sitting on a beach while this is all happening um, and generating new clients and, and warming them up to the point they're ready to talk to you and have that sales call so I urge you to look into that uh, lead capture aspect that was number 10 we've gone through a lot there so just to recap is your website a brochure site or is it a client acquisition funnel two is your website too generic three is your website confusing or overly fancy four Are you providing useful information for all stages of the buying journey? Five, does your website focus on features instead of benefits? Six, are you conveying enough emotion? Seven, are you answering with him what's in it for me? Eight, are you measuring what happens? Nine, are you utilizing remarketing technology? And 10, are you getting enough email addresses? So if you think back to the 100 coming through, you want to start converting more of them and turning them into leads, prospects, and eventually phone calls, sales presentations, and ultimately more clients, and that's more revenue for you. So I urge you to think through some of these questions. If you've got any queries or if you'd like me to help you with this, absolutely just get in touch and we can have a chat about that. Go for it and all the best for your business.